for your children on WXRQ 1460 AM Christian Radio. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd, and my mission here at Free Your Children is to share the truth and love about education. There's a battle raging against the souls of our nation's children. I hope this ministry equips you for battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10-11 I want to thank Safe Storage for sponsoring tonight's show. If you have storage needs and you are in the Middle Tennessee area in Columbia or Mount Pleasant, reach out to safestoragetn.com and they will take care of all your storage needs. If you would like to sponsor Free Your Children Radio Show, you can contact me at freeyourchildren at gmail.com and I will be happy to send you a sponsorship package. If you have not checked out our new website, freeyourchildren.com, you need to do that. Lots of interesting information located there. There's also a donate button if you would like to donate to Free Your Children to help us with all the projects that we're working on. We have a series of upcoming speaking engagements. If you are interested in attending, make sure you click on the events tab over on the website to find out where we're going to be next. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, email. Again, that's freeyourchildren at gmail.com. The website freeyourchildren.com and you can also find me over on the borough pulse that's b-o-r-o-p-u-l-s-e.com you can put in my name tiffany boyd and it will bring you to an author page where you can read all of the articles that i have penned to date about education i am very excited about tonight's guest we have dr eric potter IFM Certified MD with us tonight. Dr. Potter graduated from Vanderbilt Medical School and went on to specialize in internal medicine and pediatric care. His practice, Sanctuary Functional Medicine, is located in Franklin, Tennessee. I wanted to bring him on tonight to talk about our special legislative session in Tennessee that's currently underway. A lot of the bills that have been introduced in this session focus on mental health. I just recently wrote a page about this for the Borough Pulse. And I, wanna, I highlighted a couple of bills that I wanted to speak specifically about. One is HB 7034. It was a bill that would allow court-ordered mental health assessment and require treatment and monitoring of drug intake. Another was Senate Bill 7069, which would allow people to be detained for mental health examination, care, and treatment if a law enforcement officer deemed it necessary. HB 7036 was emergency detention of individuals with mental illness or emotional disturbances, deemed to need care, treatment, or training. Dr. Potter, I know that you have been following this special session closely. What do you think about some of these bills that have been proposed? And in your opinion, what would be the consequences of bills such as this? Thank you, Tiffany. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this since you gave me the invitation. So I'm glad to share a little bit of my insight as a physician, uh, also as one who has been caring for many with health care issues, mental health issues, and being able to speak to this topic. So as I followed this, knowing that this special session was going to have a lot of opportunity, not just for bills that potentially could help or hurt, 
the school system and school safety, uh, but also realizing quickly once you saw what was listed, uh, bills proposed, mental health issues, and many other issues that had nothing to do with the special session. So with that, I looked through these bills, and as I listed out the mental health, given, again, I'm a physician, I'm caring, seeing many adults and children that I care for both, uh, with anxiety, depression, all types of the diagnoses, whatever you want to call them, they're still where people are suffering. I'm wanting to help them in my clinic, but I also have to realize that there's a point where the public health response, the government response, could potentially make things worse, despite the fact that our governmental leaders are proposing things and making plans that they say are going to help what they call the mental health crisis in our state. Ultimately, there's some things in these bills that give me great pause based on what I've seen over the past 20-some years of caring for patients. One of those things, the uh, secondary consequences, when you're looking at mental health bills, you're trying to step in to a place where government may not be the best one to provide that service. And I think that is one of the big questions I have. Which of these bills, which of these proposals, whether it's the how you detain someone by the police officers or some of the other bills you didn't mention about how many counselors do we need in schools? How much loaner payment, how many medical mental health providers do we need in the state? Are these really going to be solutions that actually solve a problem? Or are we actually looking at the wrong root cause? In my medical practice, functional medicine looks for root causes to try to help people know, oh, let's not just put a Band-Aid on the problem. Let's not fix your right arm when your left arm is the one hurting. Let's find actually where the issue is. So when you look at these bills, probably the first thing is, Is this something government should be trying to do in the first place? Or are they actually interfering with the God-ordained means such as family, church, community, other resources? So I look at this and I'm, yes, government has a role in the criminal justice system. And I do think we need good laws protecting those who may be mentally ill, accidentally get involved in what could be a crime, fighting with a police officer homelessness, different issues where people get uh, into a mental health state that they get themselves in jail. So we do need, the government does have a role with the criminal health system, but the proposals we see in these laws really go much beyond that into areas where the government really should not be trying to legislate mental health solutions, but actually protecting parents, families, churches, communities, ability to meet those needs, which is really what this comes down to, not just looking to government, not looking to more state money, not looking to more federal money, but looking back to the places where God said, these are the ones responsible for caring for people that are hurting. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought up the subject about mental health in schools, because, of course, education is my most favorite topic to speak on. And this is exactly the reason why Free Your Children was founded, to inform parents, to educate parents on what exactly is going on. And I've written extensively over on the Borough Pulse about how schools have become medicalized, the fact that they were actually planning and intending on adding more mental health providers into schools. 
And that includes behavioral health liaisons, social workers, clinical social workers, school counselors, school psychologists, and then enter into the aspect of the model that has been adopted nationwide, which is community schools. And these community schools, essentially what they're going to do is replace the family. Their goal is to provide everything a student needs within the walls of the school. So they're going to be providing them with food, with clothing, with medical care, with mental health care. And so then it becomes a very slippery slope. Just this summer session, this legislative summer session, the special study session, they proposed a bill for loan forgiveness that would make it more enticing for more mental health care professionals to enter into the field. And then we saw some other bills dealing with the same the same things. And so I've warned about this extensively for a long period of time. And then most recently, and I want to share some information about this too, and it is the removal of parental consent. I had been warning about this, as had other educational researchers, and what the public needs to know about is in an effort to reduce, this is what they said, the federal government said, in an effort to reduce the administrative burden, the White House issued an executive order to remove parental consent to bill Medicaid in states and schools. So in May 2023, Cardona amended IDEA Part B, and I've spoken about this at seminars. I have um, actually shared other information from other educational researchers who had actually been sounding the alarm about this, where what they were intended on doing was using Medicaid um, to be able to bill children in the classroom without the consent of parents. So these kids in these Title I schools will be screened, observed, labeled, and then diagnosed. And all of this will be able to be billed through Medicaid without parental consent. So this actually touches on any child that is enrolled in a Title I school. And, you know, most recently, as of today, uh, I shared a post that spoke about digital badging. And a lot of this digital badging, it's it's all of it is data collection. And some of it is directly tied to behavioral health. So all of this information is being sent into a national interoperable database. And all of this information can easily be purchased by other entities in the name of educational research and can be sent out nationwide and globally. So this is a very scary narrative. Parents are wondering what they can do, and this is even happening in private schools as well. So in your opinion, doctor, what happens when mental health initiatives become tied to federal money? Thank you, Tiffany. So you really hit on all the points. Basically, it comes down to the fact the government is seeing itself as replacing the role of parents. When the government thinks that they can put a counselor in, someone who's just fresh fresh out of school, step in, take care of kids' problems, whether it's bullying, whether it's dealing with the trauma of some of the classes uh, they are learning about different issues that are being forced upon them, That's really not going to work. Kids' problems are much deeper, and those people coming out, ultimately, they go home at night. They may say, oh, I care about the kids, but it's they're getting in the way of the parents. And that's one of the things when you look at those special uh, special session 
bills that were proposed, I did not want to see anything about parental notification, Mm -hmm. parental oversight. We've had those issues with other bills in the past with homeschooling, different government initiatives, committees. It gets back over and over again that the government thinks that they and their experts know what's best. Uh, So when you're looking at these bills and you're looking at the mindset, which is what you really got to understand, they truly believe that they know better than the parent what's best for the child. So when they're bringing kids into these community schools, they truly do want to replace that. So it's kind of, oh, yeah, parents, you make sure they get their homework done when we send them home, when you watch over them overnight, feed them, put them to bed. But make sure you get them back the next day, Monday through Friday, so we can then make sure that we're teaching them the things that they really need to know. So then you use these digital badges because, you know, parents what are parents doing? They're buying these little air tag things where you can put in your kid in case something happens, you know where they are. Well, now the schools are going to have a little badge. They know where your children are throughout the day. Not just did they go on a bathroom break, but whether or not they are interacting with others, then they can use that to tag all this tracking when they do these assessments. And these assessments are not just, oh, well, is your kid smoking? Is your kid drinking? Is your kid having a good time at school and liking their uh, educational experience? No, this is actually about how to develop a system to track your child so that way you can pigeonhole them. Oh, this child, because of their behavior, their proclivities in school, they're going to be better for this work track, this educational track. Oh, this other child. Now, they're different. They're going to go down this other track. So if you don't have that technology tied into these digital badges, then you really can't be the parent. The government can't take over the parenting role until they know where your kid is, what they're doing and everything, and even what they're thinking because, again, they did the assessment. So this ultimately creates really a hot mess for parents (laughs) Because the parents suddenly realize, hold on here, who's running things for my kid? My kids have more interest in what's going on at school. They have more invested in school. And the schools are actually giving them more guidance and directing their life pattern, their life trajectory than the parents are. So ultimately, it comes down to, again, the government is trying to be the parent And they're trying to nudge the parent as far out of the picture as they can with all these initiatives that you just mentioned and the bills we saw in the special session. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And then let's talk about the amount of money, because these children, once they're diagnosed in the school system with a medical diagnosis, they become a commodity. More money is attached to children who can then receive funding that's attached to that diagnosis. So they really are the cash cow. And now they can bill Medicaid for these wraparound services. So you, from a perspective of the medical community, how much money, is that a lot of money? Is the medical community and and the medical industry, are we talking about thousands of dollars, millions of dollars? It's a lot of money, isn't it? Yes. So, for example, one of the bills that was proposed was to put a school counselor for one for every 250 students mm-hmm. in public and private charter schools. That would add 3,800 approximately, a little bit over than that, uh, counselors in our state system. Therefore, when you're paying for those, there's a lot of money involved, millions of dollars. Now, you also mentioned, though, Medicaid. We know that the, med- the health care spending in our nation is a little 
out of control, uh, especially when we look at the results we get from all that spending really doesn't get us high up in the comparisons to other nations in the world for how much we spend. Uh, That's a topic for another day. But basically, there is money attached to every child, just like you said. Mm -hmm. Nothing is for free. And when nothing's for free, a service is being provided and there's a cost attached, somebody is making some kind of profit out of that. The government, maybe they're making some money or it's just the fact that all the providers they're having to hire and then we're having to pay for. Mm -hmm. Where does that money come from? Still, it comes from taxes. It comes from our pocket. And we should have some say-so in the outcomes, how it's uh, implemented. That's the other thing when you get all this federal money. Mm -hmm. We really don't have control in our state, once we take that federal dollar, how it's spent. They tell us, if you don't follow these regulations, if you don't implement these guidelines that we believe is the, are the best for your child, we're just going to pull that check away. So nothing's for free, whether it's from federal government, whether it's from the state government. Uh, so there are anywhere from tens of millions to hundreds of millions If you keep adding it up, digging far enough, it's probably getting up into close to a billion dollars by the, especially when you look at this across the nation, Mm -hmm. we're just talking about hundreds of millions in Tennessee. You know, we do have 50 states, so that multiplies pretty big uh, over that amount of uh, numbers. Absolutely. Lots of money attached to the medical industry. And then again, parents need to understand that there is a lot of money involved in the mining of data. And in these companies, these educational research companies who are providing these data mining programs that are being implemented in the schools, one of which is, I believe, is called Clever, that's being implemented in a lot of the schools nationwide. I think uh, that is the number one educational data collection program that's being used right now. Let's change gears for a moment and talk about we know that mental health is clearly an issue. You see this, I'm certain, in your practice, but let's talk about the culture that is happening inside the classroom, the traditional classroom. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that culture is contributing to some of these mental health issues? And could you speak about that? So on the way over here, I was thinking about the fact that I always want to give a positive solution and not just talk about the problems. I can sit here all day and give you statistics, Tons of other people can do that same thing, but I really wanted to boil it down to what the problem is. When you're looking at the school health, school mental health, you're coming down to the fact that the supports for these children have been pulled away. The government, the schools have separated them out from their parents, told them and taught them in many situations. We hear these stories. I know you have a long list of these on your site and different articles where the schools have actually kind of said, oh, you don't have to tell your parents. You can get this therapy. You can read this book. You can believe what you want to. You do not have to follow your parents' values. So they've, number one, they've removed the supports. Number two, then they add stressors. So when we're looking uh, at Different Moms for Liberty, different groups, uh, several out there who have uncovered what kids are being taught in these curriculum, you realize these are traumatizing things. And in studying kind of developmental neuroscience uh, for my patients, realizing that the brain uh, is not ready for certain types of trauma, the earlier you're exposed to those, especially when the brain doesn't really finish its development until about age 25. So yes, Teenagers are still have underdeveloped brains and even your college students. But mm-hmm. in during that 
especially elementary, middle school years, if you're putting in uh, exposure to trauma that disrupts that development, those children are not going to have the ability to process that, especially, again, when you've taken out the support of their parents, you've told them not to talk to their parents, all they have is their peers who also have an underdeveloped brain. So number one, you've removed supports, you've exposed them to a lot of traumatic events, such as the death assignment that you've uncovered, Mm -hmm. and again, countless other things. Then what's the last ingredient to really stir up mental health problems in children? You basically tell them you can do anything you want. You can respond anyway. If you feel oppressed, you can say you're oppressed. If you feel like you're a cat, you can be a cat. You can respond any way you want to, except in a biblical correct way of, one, talking to your parents, following things that are actually real values, not just what you made up or what your teacher made up. So you have a removal of supports. You have increased stress, exposure to things they shouldn't be exposed to, and they're told they can do what they want. So what are we going to get? We're going to get kids who can't evaluate values. They can't evaluate decisions. They can't make good decisions how to respond to a bully. They can't make good decisions how to respond to peer pressure. They're going to be stressed out. They're going to be sad. They're going to be anxious. They're going to be committing more suicide, and we see those numbers. All those numbers are bearing out statistics that children and adults, but particularly we're talking about children right now, are so much more stressed and getting diagnosed more often. Now, we can argue with diagnosis. Sometimes that's a little over the top. But in these school systems, kids, really, it's basically you're going to get exactly what they've designed it to produce is stressed, mentally ill children uh, who do not have hope uh, because they're separated from somebody like their parents or the churches mm-hmm. who can actually help. Absolutely. And then they can diagnose them and build Medicaid. Exactly. And the system continues on and on. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because one thing that I have said many times on this radio show and over on for your children is the public school system teaches humanism. They teach that the Christian faith is a lie and the value, your life is no more valuable than that of a cockroach or, you know, your, your pet. And so if life isn't valuable, no wonder we see so much violence, so much bullying. And so as you pointed out, that just perpetuates more mental health issues. What do you say to parents about worldview and why that's so important to mental health? Well, if you're going to talk to a parent... You want to tell them the truth. You do not want to hide something from them. And we need to look at who designed us. God designed us. God designed society. He set up families. When we look at that, it's very clear that God gave parents the responsibilities to raise up their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. With that, parents have a responsibility that nobody else can fulfill. The others around them in a community, in a church setting, should support that. But I'm going to tell parents, you're the one that God is going to hold responsible for how your children experience life, whether it's in their education, what they learned, their values they developed. If they have problems, ultimately God is going to look to you first, not to the school system. Exactly. Wise words. Tell our listeners, Dr. Potter, what can parents do to prevent their children from being diagnosed with mental illnesses in schools by maybe people that are not qualified to make those assessments. And then 
if a child receives a medical diagnosis and the parent doesn't agree with that diagnosis, what can they do? So one of the first things with your child is that you need to be sure that you have that strong relationship. You have ongoing communication. I've heard stories just about the parents who are even hiring tutors, something I heard on Facebook recently, hiring a tutor who then started, oh, don't tell your parents. You can look at this book. You can do this. You can. The parent actually hired this person. They had homeschooling and they just need some help with math. In that, you because that parent had the relationship, that daughter said, you know, mom, this person's kind of acting weird. The tutor is kind of following me and suggesting these books. And then she said not to tell you. So first of all, parents have to have good communication because they're going to hear those warning signals coming from their children very early, uh, least hopefully not before they've already got a diagnosis. Now, you also, though, realize sometimes those diagnoses get pinned on those children. And yes, it's people who may say, oh, well, that child was sad for two days in a row. They have a major depression episode. Mm -hmm. Well, no, there are guidelines for what, how we give diagnoses. But there's going to be a lot of those, uh, mm -hmm. and some of those are real, and some of those are stretches. Mm -hmm. So once that happens, the parent needs to come in, have a talk with the school. If they have their child in school, they're going to have to make it clear that they do not want that transferring over into the child's medical record. Mm -hmm. Because if the doctor requests a record from the school, they send that over, they're going to have that in the doctor's chart. And once it gets submitted to insurance, which is as you said, they would be submitting this to Medicaid. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have a national record where that child had that diagnosis and it's going to follow them for years. So while we have a criminal justice system where a juvenile's record can be expunged, can be hidden away uh, once they become an adult, I don't believe we have that ability in healthcare because you want to make sure that diagnoses follow patients forever. So you're going to have children carrying these diagnoses unless the parents can step in and stop it. Now, parents can have the right. They do have the right to go in and say, oh, I disagree. I'm going to get a second opinion. And they may have to go see a different counselor or a physician or some type of provider. They can say, no, I disagree with this. This needs to be removed. They also need to make sure if that's been submitted to the, their insurance company that it gets removed on those records because, again, those are going to transfer to, uh, transfer to other places as well. Ultimately, if you're in that situation where a diagnosis is coming because they've told you or one has already happened, as you have probably said three million times, mm -hmm. there are points where you have to say, you know, it's time to leave that school. Mm -hmm. We need to go into a, either a different school, a private school, or better yet, go into homeschooling, where you are, again, the one who is determining what's best for the child, and you aren't having to give them some diagnosis to get some federal funding through Medicaid. Absolutely, Dr. Potter. Thank you for that. And remember, parents, if you're listening to this and these schools are allowed to propagate these observations, these diagnoses without your consent, the only way that you may even know that this is happening to your child is through conversations that you're having with them. So please keep the lines of communication open with your children if they are indeed enrolled in public schools. Dr. Potter, you have given us a wealth of information this evening, and I thank you for all the time that you were willing to give up to educate our listeners. Tell them how they can find you. Well, 
I was going to add one more thing, Tiffany. Yes. The root of doctor is actually to educate. So this is what I do in my office. This is what I want to do in my life is to educate others so they can make wiser decisions. So in my office at Sanctuary Functional Medicine, uh, it is in Franklin, Tennessee. There we take care of, again, adults and, adults and children who are having health issues that the conventional system is not able to help with. Autoimmune, weird symptoms that nobody else can compl- uh, explain. With that, we are able to get to the root cause, just like we want to get to the root cause of the mental health issue. We want to get to the root cause of why someone is suffering and then offer whole person care. And one of the things we're doing, I'm, this is an example. I'm not against mental health care. We're hiring a counselor, but she's Christian. Mm-hmm. She comes with a worldview that is actually going to encourage parents, community, church resources, rather than trying to separate a child that she's counseling out from their family. She's going to push them back in there again, as long as that family is not the source of a stress. We know those are not all families are great. There are issues there, but she's going to work with those resources. Beyond that, I'm also starting Whole Person, Whole Life, basically a ministry, an educational website. Like I said, I'm all about education, helping people understand the worldview that is in the world and the worldview that God wants us to follow and how they are in what we call the antithesis. So Whole Person, Whole Life is hoping to wake people up, and once they're awake, helping them to understand how we need to approach these issues that we've been talking about today. Thank you so much, Dr. Potter. It was an honor to have you in the studio with us tonight, and I'm sure that you will be back again to impart more of your knowledge onto our listeners. I want to take this opportunity once again to thank Safe Storage for sponsoring tonight's show. You can reach them at safestoragetn.com and they will take care of all of your storage needs. I want to leave you with this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. We love you here at WXRQ, but remember, Jesus loves you so much more. Good night and God bless.